Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello. And welcome to the morning after week two Sunday in the 2022 NFL season. Jared Bailey with you as always. This is the Pub Fake on the Believe Podcast Network. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening slash watching, I appreciate you making me a part of your Monday. Obviously a big day yesterday in the NFL. A lot of comebacks in the early window. One in the late window, too. So we'll dive into all of that. I know my hair is everywhere right now if you're watching this. I think I'm... I'm debating just getting rid of it because this is this is why I don't do hair anymore. This is out of out of control. Look at this. It's just a mess. Just a mess. Just an absolute mess. But I will start with this as I instinctively just turn myself into Johnny Bravo real quick. Um, I will start with this. Yesterday. The Miami Dolphins mounted quite the comeback. Down 28-7, down three scores. Baltimore Ravens absolutely just looking night and day, a whole tier better than the Miami Dolphins. And then something happens in the fourth quarter where the Dolphins just come alive. Four touchdown passes from two at Tongue of Iloa in the fourth quarter alone, including one with less than 30 seconds left to Jalen Waddle in the end zone. And the Dolphins come back and beat the Baltimore Ravens 42 to 38. Tua goes for over 460 and six touchdowns, two picks. Lamar Jackson had probably the second best game of his career behind that that rally in, uh, against Indianapolis last year in Monday Night Football. He had over 300 through the air, over 100 on the ground, four total touchdowns for Lamar Jackson. So he played out of his mind. And everybody on Dolphins Twitter, every Dolphins fan is really excited this morning, as they should be. I mean, that's a big win. That is a crazy win. Absolutely be excited. 2-0, the Miami Dolphins are. And if the Buffalo Bills lose to the Tennessee Titans tonight, the Dolphins will be in sole possession of first place in the AFC East going into week three. But, but be excited about that. That's a good thing to be excited about. However, you know, people saying, oh, man, to his arm. Everybody was wrong. He was arms there. I'm going to push back on that. Because you look at both of those deep ball touchdowns to Tyreek Hill, they weren't there. Tyreek Hill gets behind Baltimore's defense twice somehow, by the way. I don't know how you lose track of the fastest guy on the field. But in the first touchdown pass to Tyreek Hill, you see Marcus Peters. You know, just right behind him. Tyreek has a step and a half on him. If he's led, it's 
easy touchdown. But instead, the ball's underthrown. Tyreek Hill has to stop around the goal line. And if Marcus Peters turns around, Tua throws his third interception of the day. And we're talking about a completely different game right now. Even on the second touchdown pass, like there wasn't anybody within 15 yards of Tyreek Hill and he still had to stop. But he's fast enough to get into the end zone. Again, enjoy the win, Miami. 2-0, big comeback. I know that the numbers say that Tua Tungvalu is a second coming. I don't feel any different about his arm today than I did yesterday morning. It's still not a big arm. And by the looks of it, there were some throws yesterday that were bad. The interception of Marcus Williams looked like the pass was intended for him. And he threw it into a crowded crowded area on his first interception, and it was intercepted. Had some underthrows. So like this, there's nothing new there in terms of what I'm saying about Tua's arm. Nothing new at all. So when it comes to the Miami Dolphins, I feel no different today than I did yesterday morning. They play Buffalo next week. A team they haven't beat since 2018. A team who Josh Allen owns. You look at his numbers for his career against the Miami Dolphins. It feels like he's going to be the Aaron Rodgers to the Miami Dolphins Chicago Bears. Like he's going to be the Ben Roethlisberger to the Miami Dolphins, Cleveland Browns. So that's great, Miami. Like I said, 2-0. If Buffalo loses tonight, you're in sole possession of first place in the AFC East. That's great. But to say that, oh, everybody was wrong. About Tua Tungavailoa's arm. I don't think anybody was wrong. It seems that the Miami Dolphins strategy in the passing game and the deep ball is have Tua throw it as hard as he can and Tyreek Hill will find it. Eventually that's going to bite them in the butt. And look, I said coming into the season, they might have early success just because their weapons are very dynamic. And what if they had early success? They play Buffalo next week. For my money, the best team in football, the best roster in football, the Buffalo Bills. Let's see what happens there. Because I have a feeling that it's going to be a lot of the same of what we've seen between these two teams over the past few years. Which isn't good news for Miami Dolphins fans. So be excited, Miami. You can be excited. No one's saying you can't be. But you've got the uh, proverbial thorn in your side in week three. And I don't see it going your way. There was another comeback yesterday. There's two more. The Browns leading 23 to 17 under two minutes left 
They can give the ball to Nick Chubb. All he needs to do is slide down. They can just run out the clock. The Jets won't have any more timeouts. Steady runs it in for a touchdown. They're up 13, though. Jets, you know, down 13. No timeouts. Less than two minutes left. Jets get the ball back. <laughs> the Browns decide to let Corey Davis behind everybody. He walks into the end zone. Everybody's like, all right, well, I mean, for anybody who bet the Jets in a teaser, <laughs> you're welcome. Then they recover the onside kick. And everybody's like, oh, all right, they might have something here. And then with 19 seconds left, Joe, Fl Joe Flacco hits Garrett Wilson in the end zone for his second touchdown of the day. And the Jets take the lead, and they win the game. So now if you're the Browns, instead of being 2-0, you're 1-1, going into a Thursday night game against a Steelers team that's pissed off and whose defense has been very good against you know, Jacoby Brissett going into a game against a very good defense. That's I don't know, Cleveland. Nick Chubb's great. Kareem Hunt's great. How far can Jacoby Brissett take you? Because you've needed a 58-yard field goal to beat the Panthers, and you let a lead slip away from the Jets. Worry about Cleveland, man. And look, there that game turned out to be much more fun than I would have guessed. Because I came into this week saying, oh my goodness, we're being subjected to Joe Flacco versus Jacoby Brissett. And it turned out to be one of the more fun games of the weekend. So I'm happy about that. I am happy about that. Everything else around the Browns, though, I mean, we know the story. We know everything going on. Now you're one-on-one one going into a game against Pittsburgh, who's also one-on-one one division rival. At home, though, for Cleveland. Mitch Trubisky versus Jacoby Brissett. So let's talk about the Steelers. Because... For the, for the fan base, it's more of the same that we've seen from last year. Passing game isn't dynamic whatsoever. And look, Mitch Trubisky has his own flaws. There's no doubt about that. But this is very, very obviously a play-calling issue. The offense hasn't changed. The big fuss was that, oh, all right, Mitch Trubisky, I mean, how much worse can he actually be than last year's Ben Roethlisberger? And Mitch can move around and make some plays with his feet. Which we saw that he could do against Cincinnati. And then more of the same offense that we've seen from Matt Canada and his horrible play calling since he took over. Third and eights or third and nines where the play call is a swing pass to the flat at the line of scrimmage to Najee Harris gains a yard. You punt. Where's the motivation in that? Where's what, what was the vision for that? Cause they did it twice. This offense is four yard dump offs, 
two yard runs, an incomplete pass, and a punt. That's what the Pittsburgh Steelers are right now. And as much as we can say that Mitch Trubisky is at fault, he has his own problems. He threw a bad interception yesterday. This offense is copy and paste what they were last year. That's not Mitch Trubisky's fault. He wasn't there. That's Matt Canada's fault. Now, the offensive line isn't great. They can't really establish a run game. But these weapons that they have offensively, you can't look me in the face and say that you can't win with them. You can't look me in the face and say you can't scheme open Deontay Johnson or Chase Claypool or George Pickens, who, by the way, for some reason just doesn't see the ball. The Steelers' offense runs through two-yard dump-offs to Najee Harris and four-yard curls to Pat Fryermuth. And the occasional decent play from Deontay Johnson. If this team doesn't have multiple takeaways a game, they lose. That's a problem. That's way too much pressure on the defense, no matter how good they are, especially when TJ Watt won't be there for at least another month. That's a problem. Minka Fitzpatrick had an interception yesterday following Mitch Trubisky's interception, so they exchanged picks. Steelers couldn't put the ball in the end zone until the fourth quarter. Where have we heard that story before? It's embarrassing. Pittsburgh Steelers are an embarrassment. So now what do you do if you're Pittsburgh? Well, you could put in Kenny Pickett. That's certainly an option. But Kenny Pickett won't necessarily take care of all the play calling issues. Like I said, Mitch Trubisky has his own flaws. But with a bad offensive line, do you really want to put Kenny Pickett in right now? Similar to the Bears last year with Justin Fields. Like everybody wanted to see Justin Fields, but the offensive line was so bad and they were more comfortable letting Andy Dalton get murdered by it than Justin Fields. And then they put him in, first game against Cleveland, gets sacked eight times. So while that is an option, I don't know if it's the best one. Just because Justin Fields, or I'm sorry, Kenny Pickett, in all likelihood would get eaten alive by any pass rush that faces the Steelers right now. Especially Miles Garrett. You don't want to put him in against the Browns. But if the Steelers lose this week, if they lose this week to Cleveland, that feels like an opportunity for them to start Kenny Pickett week four, coming off a long week. And they're playing on Thursday night this week. If they lose, that's one and two. They don't play again till the following Sunday. So that's an extra couple days to prepare Kenny Pickett to start against a Jets team that, you know, doesn't have a lot of expectations for themselves this year. Um, excuse me. I'm sure they have expectations for themselves. They're not going anywhere this year, I guess is a better way to say that. So if the Steelers, even if they win, if Mitch Trubisky and the offense look horrible, like say they win like 13 to 10, put in Kenny Pickett. No, look, I've been a strong, strong opponent to the Kenny Pickett selection. And I've said, 
as long as Mitch looks okay, keep him in. Well, he didn't look okay yesterday. And again, more of that is on the play calling than anything. In terms of the Steelers' issues, the three biggest issues that the Steelers have in this order, Matt Canada, the offensive line, Mitch Trubisky. So again, Mitch Trubisky is not without fault. That is not what I am trying to say. What I am trying to say is it's not all his fault. Still, he deserves some blame. There's no doubt about that. But the majority of the blame falls in the lap of Matt Canada on the offensive line. So if you're the Steelers, you got to figure something out. If you're Mike Tomlin, you got to figure something out because it's two years in a row where it's the same old stuff. Uninspired offensive play. Too much pressure on the defense to succeed. And this year you don't have a Hall of Fame quarterback who, despite being somewhat of a shell of his former self, led the NFL in fourth quarter comebacks last year because there's something to having a guy like Ben Roethlisberger in the huddle that can get you there. You don't have that this year. I got to figure something out. I got to do it quick. Now, luckily for them, their next two games are winnable. Do I think they're going to win both of them? No. Series with the Browns has become a little bit more even. And historically, Mike Tomlin is very up and down against the New York Jets. I think, I think they'll split them. I think they'll be two and two after four weeks. If they're one and three, something's got to change. Something's got to change right now for the Steelers. Because the product that they've put on the field offensively in the first two weeks is an utter embarrassment. Utter embarrassment. Speaking of utter embarrassments, the Indianapolis Colts. Good Lord. Something about that Duval water, man. They cannot win in Jacksonville. Haven't won there in a decade. They lost on the one that was 2012. 2012 or 2013. Haven't won there in almost at, at least nine years. Matt Ryan, three interceptions, 24 nothing loss to the Jaguars. By the way, everybody who is so keen on the Colts getting rid of Carson Wentz, they bring in Matt Ryan. Oh my goodness, such an upgrade. The Colts are going to. How does that feel now? Does it feel that maybe Jarrett was right? That Carson once wasn't the biggest problem in Indianapolis? That maybe Matt Ryan wasn't an upgrade over Carson Wentz? Sure feels like I'm right. Sure feels like I'm right. I don't know what the hell that was yesterday, but there was a play in which Ryan was getting chased in the pocket. He just fell down. Just kind of gave up. Carson Wentz may, you know, and the commanders may have lost yesterday, but Carson Wentz, he still played well. Still threw three touchdowns. I don't know, man. Right now, Carson Wentz is second in the NFL in passing yards. And I want to say he's tied for the league lead in touchdown passes. And the Commanders look like a real team. And they lost to Detroit yesterday, but Detroit also looks like a real team. Detroit looks very good. Detroit, at this very moment, is tied for the league lead in points scored with the Chiefs. 71 points. 
through their first two games. Had 35 last week against Philadelphia, 36 yesterday against the Commanders. Tied with the Chiefs for the most in the NFL right now. Obviously, four teams still yet to play. Three of which put up a good amount of points in week one. So, I mean, there's a good chance that that doesn't stand. However, the Detroit Lions currently lead the NFL in points scored. And by the way, not to go back to the Colts, but congratulations to Doug Peterson and the Jacksonville Jaguars. They look like they're building something real there. Trevor Lawrence looked good yesterday. The defense looked fantastic yesterday. Um, so congratulations to the Jacksonville Jaguars, 1-1. One one. Indianapolis Colts, 0-1-1. Oh, one one. Not looking great for my AFC South predictions because I had them winning the whole thing. Now, in fairness, no one else in the AFC South looks good either. The Titans don't look good. They play Buffalo tonight. Now, they've beaten Buffalo the last two times they've played. I don't think we're going to see that tonight. The Texans the Texans look better than what their record shows. I mean, they're 0-1-1 as well. But, I mean, they made it a game with Denver yesterday. I think more of that is on Nathaniel Hackett and Denver than, you know, credit to the Houston Texans, but... That's neither here nor there. So, yeah. You know, there's... The AFC South. The ugly, the red-headed stepchild of, of the NFL. It's not good. Not good. Not a good division. But regardless... Um, the Detroit Lions, back to that game, by the way, you know, transition from Indianapolis Colts. Carson Wentz's former team to the game in which he played yesterday. It was a tale of two halves. I mean, the Lions were winning 22 nothing at one point, and then the Washington offense came to life finally. Curtis Samuel had a touchdown reception. Logan Thomas as well. Um, they made it a game. Very fun third quarter, very back and forth. Washington scored a touchdown to make it a nine-point game, but then they missed the extra point. So it stayed a two-possession game in the fourth quarter. Or else Washington might have had a little bit better of a chance. But, I mean, credit to the Detroit Lions. Washington's defense, though, man. I mean, there was a play third and long. DeAndre Swift catches it and falls down, gets back up. Nobody touches him, and he runs to the end zone for a touchdown to make it a two-possession game again. Uh, what, what happened there, Washington? So something's got to give with the commander's defense and that respect played well last week against Trevor Lawrence, but they got eaten alive by Deandre Swift, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Jared Goff played really well. These guys play for their coach, man. And there's something to be said for that. Detroit lions one-on-one after two weeks, as are the Washington commanders. Um, as they, you know, try to, Make their own mark in an NFC race that for some reason the Dallas Cowboys look like they're still going to be in because Cooper Rush led them to a win against the Cincinnati Bengals who are now 0-2. I think looking at the schedule for the Bengals, we saw Steelers-Cowboys. At least in my mind, I was like, okay, there's 2-0. They'll win both of those. Especially going into this week, seven and a half point favorites to a team that didn't have Dak Prescott was starting Cooper Rush, who was in his second career start yesterday. 
and he can't get the job done. Down 17 to 3 at one point. No, they did what they did last week. They mounted a comeback, they tied it, and then they lost on a field goal. I don't know. I mean, we could call it what? Super Bowl hangover. You can call it that if you want, I suppose. Whatever you want to call it, man. Something is not right in Cincinnati. Offensively, they couldn't get anything going. They got bullied by an inferior team with a backup quarterback making his second career start. You're the defending AFC champion who this past January beat Kansas City twice in the same month. And you can't beat Cooper Rush. You can't beat Mitch Trubisky. Now, AFC North, I mean, Baltimore leads that thing right now at one and one. Pittsburgh, well, I guess Pittsburgh leads it right now at one and one. <laughs> because that's a division win over Cincinnati. So you got Pittsburgh leading the division, Baltimore at one and one, Cleveland at one and one, with Jacoby Brissett, and then the defending AFC champion Bengals at 0 and 2 because they couldn't stop throwing interceptions against Pittsburgh and couldn't beat Mitch Trubisky and couldn't beat Cooper Rush. That's a problem. That's a big problem. So we'll see if the AFC North, I suppose. But yeah, not great. Not great at all. Goodness gracious. And then, I gotta say, I was very biased toward this game yesterday. I had two same game parlays. And I bet Cardinals money line. It was 20 to nothing. And I was pretty upset. I was like, all right, well, these aren't going to cash. I got a 67, 67 cent cash out option. I was like, no, I mean, we'll just let this ride. We'll see what happens. And then Kyler Murray was some of the most insane plays I've ever seen in my life yesterday. A 20-second play on a two-point conversion. The guy is out of this world. Oh, no, no, no I'm sorry. Was that the uh, the touchdown? Sorry, it was a 20-second play on the touchdown run. And then he threads the needle in a window this big to A.J. Green for the two-point conversion to send it into overtime. Arizona starts off with the ball in overtime. They don't get the fourth-down conversion. The Raiders get it. Third down, pass to Hunter Renfro. First down, but he fumbles the ball. Vegas recovers. Next play, tries to get to Devontae Adams, nearly intercepted. And then the following play after that, another throw to Hunter Renfro, another fumble by Hunter Renfro, scooped up by Byron Murphy, returned for a touchdown. He nearly, he comes this close to not crossing the goal line before he hoists the ball to the back of the end zone. Which would have been a story in its own, right? But luckily, I mean, the ball did cross the plane. The Cardinals win, overcome a 20-point deficit in Vegas to get to 1-1. One and one. Now, if you're the Raiders, you're 0-2. 0-2 oh, are the Vegas Raiders. Both, both close games. It shouldn't have been close last week against the Chargers. Derek Carr threw three interceptions, but the Chargers 
more than any team in the NFL, like to keep things close when they shouldn't be. But blowing a 20-point lead at home and getting to 0-2, that's brutal. That is brutal. So now if you're the Raiders, I mean, let's see who the Raiders do play this coming week. You travel to Tennessee if you're the Raiders. Now, obviously, we still got to figure out how Tennessee looks tonight against Buffalo to kind of make any reasonable call on how that game will go. But I said this coming into the year. I've seen Josh McDaniels, the head coach, before. Wasn't good. I saw somebody tweet yesterday, I don't remember who, but Josh McDaniels started his career as a head coach 6-0. and You remember that? The Broncos started off 6-0 in 2009 or 2010, one of the two. I think it was 2009 when McDaniels took over. Since then, he's 5-19 and as a head coach. I mean, when Devontae Adams only has two catches for 12 yards, it's not good. Not good at all. Now you're in a must-win situation. Because Chiefs 2-0. Chargers 1-1, but they beat you so far. Broncos are 1-1. You go 0-3 right now. By the way, since 2020, when the new playoff format was, you know, created, they added the extra team in there. 18 teams have started 0-2. None of them made the playoffs. So the odds are not in the Raiders' favor right now. Owen 2 and what many believe to be the toughest division in football, although the Broncos are doing their damnedest to prove them otherwise. That's a tough hole to crawl out in a crowded AFC that is full of talent, full of really good quarterbacks, full of good rosters. Start off 0-2, that's basically a death sentence. I didn't see Vegas making the playoffs coming in to this season for a plethora of reasons. And they're doing their best to prove me right. So let's talk about the Denver Broncos. We'll stick in the AAC West. I don't know what the hell's wrong with them. Nathaniel Hackett just seems in over his head. Now this looks like a situation in which a guy rode the coattails of being Aaron Rodgers quarterback coach slash offensive coordinator and parlayed it into a head coaching gig. Gets Russell Wilson with the head coaching gig. And he just can't seem to get a hang of it. He scored one touchdown against the Texans. One. And it came in the fourth quarter. What the hell? Takes all you can do to beat Davis Mills with that roster. I don't think I can name five Texans defenders. I don't know if I can name three. Being honest with you, I don't think I can name three of them. There's not a lot of talent on that roster. There's a ton of talent on the Broncos roster. You're telling me you can only score one touchdown against the Houston Texans and beat them 16 to nine at home? 
You can't beat Davis Mills by more than more than a score. You can't beat the Texans by more than a score. You can't put up more than 16 points against the Houston Texans at home with that roster and that quarterback. You can't put up more than 16. You can't put up more than one touchdown. I don't know, Denver. I said you were a playoff team coming in this into this year. You are doing your damnedest to prove me wrong. And then next week, they got the 49ers. Who, by the way, um, all the best to Trey Lance. If you saw the injury yesterday, not good. Brutal, broken ankle, going to require surgery. His season's done. Just five quarters into it. So, yeah. Not good. However, you know, on the football side of this, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan look like geniuses for keeping Jimmy Garoppolo around because he came in and he played really well yesterday. And the 49ers wiped the floor with the Seahawks. They're now one and one. I feel better about where the 49ers are right now than where they were coming into yesterday. And that's not to make light of the injury. That's absolutely not what I'm trying to do. It's a horrible injury. You hate to see something like that happen. I hope Trey Lance gets better as soon as humanly possible. That said, I said this coming into the year. Jimmy Garoppolo is the better quarterback right now. I think that Trey Lance has all the potential to be better than Jimmy Garoppolo. He's more physically gifted, just more raw talent there. But for the time being, Jimmy Garoppolo is the better quarterback. And they're a better team now than they were yesterday. And again, I can't reiterate this strongly enough. I'm not happy that Trey Lance got hurt at all. You hate to see something like that happen. Especially to a guy who the city's really high on, the team's, you know, the fans are high on. You hate to see to see that happen. But this is a guy in Jimmy Garoppolo. His teammates clearly love him. You saw the interaction with Nick Bosa on the sideline. After the touchdown pass, everybody just seemed really happy for him. Mike Silver wrote in the San Francisco Chronicle, you know, that there are some guys who just didn't really seem to get on board with having Trey Lance as a starter because they felt like they could win right now. They didn't want this year to be a year of developing Trey Lance. They they felt that they could still go all in this year and have a real shot at it. And look. My friend Javi Vega has a really good outlook on this. Humans are going to human. I firmly believe that there are definitely guys in the locker room who just, you know, they wanted Jimmy to play because they felt like he's the better option. Uh, and look, I'm sure that there were guys that were more than okay having Trey play too. But those guys that were, you know, wanting Jimmy to be the guy because they didn't want this year to feel like a year of developing a guy when they could still win. You know, I'm sure that they're, they're happy that Jimmy's playing. I'm not saying they're happy that Trey got hurt, but I think that they're, they're more than okay with having Jimmy back at the helm. So now in the NFC West, I mean, the Cardinals win yesterday, the 49ers win yesterday, they get back on track, the Rams win. So, I mean, you got the Rams one and one. 
Seahawks one and one, 49ers one and one, everybody in that division one and one. Now, I don't think that the Seahawks are going to be much of anything. I think that if, if anything, yesterday proved that last Monday night was more of the Broncos losing than the Seahawks winning. Still think the Seahawks are going to be maybe a five-win team. I think the Cardinals are going to be in it. But now, you know, I have the 49ers at the seventh seed with Trey Lance. With Jimmy, yeah, I think that they're... You know, in a uh, in a much less crowded NFC, I would say they are a uh, if all goes well, they should be in the playoffs. But my goodness gracious, busy, busy day yesterday. Giants beat the Panthers. Nothing to really talk about there. Um, Good for Brian Dable, though, in the New York Giants. Um, I do want to talk about this play, though, because um, it came down to a third down. Daniel Jones scrambles, gets a first down. The Giants get the win. Panthers now 0-2. Baker Mayfield went 14 of 29. I mean, nothing seems to have changed with the Carolina Panthers. Baker Mayfield, still Baker Mayfield. Matt Rule, still Matt Rule. Their defense is pretty solid, and their offense can't do anything. Despite having DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey, who Matt Rule just seems hesitant to give the ball to for whatever reason. I don't know why, but that seems to be what his game plan is Christian doesn't need to touch the ball. Except when he does touch the ball, good things happen. So I don't know what the game plan for Matt Rule is, but it certainly isn't working. The Panthers are 0-2. Again, good for the New York football Giants. 2-0 for the first time in God knows how long. Brian Dable seems to be actually changing the culture. This time feels real for the New York Giants. This isn't Joe Judge. This isn't you know the final years of Tom Coughlin. Now, this feels feels like a real change. This isn't Pat Shermer. This isn't Ben McAdoo. It's a real change for the Giants, and good for them. 2-0. And a chance, if the Eagles lose tonight, to be atop the NFC East, just as we all expected the New York Giants to be. I said that they were a sleeper team, man. I did. Nobody wanted to listen to me. I kind of wish I would have kept them at 9-8 and eight the way I did in my first predictions just because I was really high on the Brian Dable signing, bringing in Week Martindale. I have them at, I think I had them as a 7-win team. Which, by the way, would still be a great year for them. <laughs> still be great news if that's where they finished. Well, that's where I'm at on the New York Giants. Good for them. Very happy for that. So tonight, I don't think I'm missing anything, by the way. Nothing ginormous. I mean, the Packers won last night. There's nothing new there. Justin Fields threw the ball 11 times because Matt Eberflus hates his quarterback, I guess. And then lined him up in the shotgun on a fourth and goal from the one. I mean, it's a pretty decent formula to lose games. And Aaron Rodgers played well. Aaron Jones played fantastic. 
it's the same old thing that we've seen before with the Green Bay Packers. They started off week one last year, got humiliated. Then they rattled off seven straight wins, ended up being the number one seed in the NFC. They're going to be fine. Aaron Rodgers is always going to find a way. I think they're just a team that comes out of the gate slow. They came out slow last week. And then they get a much-needed tune-up game against longtime little brother of the Chicago Bears to get prepared for a road trip to Tampa Bay next week, which is a game I think they win. Because Tampa's looked sloppy the first two weeks of the year. They're 2-0, and yeah. But their offense doesn't look good. Put up 19 and 20 points, respectively. The good news is that they're playing a Dallas team that seemed to not know what the hell was happening, and Jameis Winston. So they're 2-0, and but it's an ugly 2-0. and And I think that Green Bay goes in, and I think that they beat Tampa Bay on the road. But we'll see. We will see. So week two Sunday was, uh, yeah, quite busy. And tonight, got a doubleheader of games. Bills, Titans. Titans have won the last two matchups. Remember that one in the COVID year where it got moved to a Tuesday? And Taylor Lewan was celebrating afterwards. I can't remember what he said, but I know it pissed me off. And then um, last year when Josh Allen slipped and couldn't get into the end zone, Tennessee won. So I do think that Buffalo avenges both of those. I think they come out and win tonight. I think that the Vikings win tonight as well. Plus two and a half are the Minnesota Vikings. I'm taking all the value in the money line there. Jalen Rager, anytime touchdown, by the way, plus 950. I threw a five on that. It feels like they're going to try to get him one against his former team. Come on. Come on. What else did I throw money on? I have a bad habit of same game parlays, just going ham. Was like trying to figure out an anytime touchdown. Randall Cobb kept me from getting, well, I shouldn't say Randall Cobb. Aaron Rodgers didn't throw enough to Randall Cobb in the red zone to prevent me from getting my same game parlay on that game. But if you like player props, man, Jalen Rager, that's good value. Against his former team, come on. They're going to try to get him one. At the very least, whatever his receiving yards are, I would take the over. Again, playing against his former team. Minnesota's deep offensively. I think they're going to get to Jalen Hurts a lot tonight. I like Minnesota a lot tonight. Value in the money line for the Minnesota Vikings. Just keep an eye on that. Regardless of that, um, that is it for the Pump Fake AM, the morning after week two on this Monday morning. If you're listening to this later in the day, however you're listening, I appreciate you. Uh, be back later on in the week. Power rankings, best bets of the week. I'll update you on where I'm at in terms of my record against the spread and the money line going into week three. So we'll do that Wednesday going into week three of the NFL season. And if not Wednesday, I mean, I'll tweet an update. We'll probably do it you know, Friday or um, before all the week 
reaction on the Sunday. Recap Thursday night game. That's where we're at. These are the full swing, man. It's going to be over before we know it. I know it's only September. We'll be in February before you can blink. So enjoy it. Savor it. Make it last. But I love you listening, wherever you're watching. I appreciate you. This is the pump fake. We will be back later on in the week. Can't wait to spend this NFL season with all of you. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.